Good morning, Blood Church. Hey, Zach Brady here. Hey, if we have not met, um, I just want to introduce myself real quick. My name is Zach. I'm a part of the leadership team here at Flood, and it is such an honor to get to be with you today. Um, my wife, Carly, and my girls, Ellie Joe and Miriam Rose, send their greetings to you guys, and ah, uh, just wish we could be with you. Holy cow, we miss you guys so much. It's been, um, it's been a long time. But, uh, but we're praying for you, we're praying with you, we're in this with you, we're, we are together with you guys, and I just want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you, that we're coming back, <laughs> that we will, as quick as we can get our bags packed, as soon as the, the airports get open, we are going to be back there with you guys. We love you and can't wait to get back. Um, but hey, as you know, we are in the middle of the sermon series where we're walking through some of the parables of Jesus, and uh, and. A parable is just a short story that Jesus used to get points across, right? And he told them in different settings and, and different things. But this particular one that we're looking at, he kind of has two audiences. And he, he does this on occasion where there's a direct audience and indirect audience. So, for example, like when, when I was a kid, and actually probably still now, <laughs> I'd be hanging out with my family. And I might say to my brother, like, man, I really hope mom makes chili for dinner. Um... My mom's in the kitchen, and I'm. But my my direct eye is my brother, right? I'm saying it to him, knowing that my mom hears, right? Or I might say, "Man, I remember when we were little. I used to say, or he would say to me, like, "Man, Zach, I really hope mom and dad get us that Sega Genesis, you know, for Christmas," knowing that mom and dad are in the next room. And in the same way, Jesus is often speaking to a, to two different groups, you know. So he's speaking to a group to a particular audience and then there's a group kind of watching the interaction so you'll see that play out in in the story for today but um before we get any further let me let me pray for us so jesus um thank you for pursuing us thank you for loving us thank you for meeting us right where we are um thank you for meeting us here this morning whether we are in the U.S. or in Germany or Australia or in Blantyre or the long way or anywhere in between. Lord, you, you are there. You are present, um, almost tangible, Lord Jesus. And so thank you for being with us. Um, use your word to speak to our hearts, to kick our butts, and to draw us closer to you. So uh, I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so before I read the text... Um, I just I want to just kind of set the scene a little bit, right? So, if you're new to church or if you're new to reading the Bible, the you might not know that. The, so there's four books, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that kind of make up the the life of Jesus. And you might not know that 50 percent of those four books are are dedicated to the life, or no, I'm sorry, are dedicated to the last week of the life of Jesus. So seven days. 50% of what we know about Jesus' life. Crazy, right? And it's kind of bookended by like the first event is where Jesus kind of rides in on a colt and to fulfill prophecy. And, and everyone is chanting like, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. There's a party. People are pulling their coats off, throwing them on the ground. They're pulling off palm branches and putting them on the ground. It is an absolute citywide party in Jerusalem, a reception for Jesus. And they go through the whole week, and then at the end, it's culminated in the, his death on the cross on Friday, 
and his resurrection on Sunday morning. So we celebrate it with, with like Palm Sunday and an Easter Sunday. That's how we kind of cap the, the Holy Week or Passion Week. But um, there's a lot written in the Gospels about that week. And our story falls on day two of that week. So like I said, day one, Jesus comes into town. It's a party. People are chanting and got their hands up and they're just like, woo, having a party. And so, but then, so they, they go to the temple. The temple is the final kind of destination there. So he shows up and Jesus sees something that, um, that he was not okay with. So between kind of the outer courts and the, and the inner courts, there were, there had been money changers set up and tax collectors and people selling things. See, Jewish law required people to bring sacrifices to the temple. And so, you know, an entrepreneurial religious guy thought, you know what, I'll just sell what you need on the front steps of the temple. So some of these priests were literally robbing the people they were that God had called them to serve. And so Jesus saw the gap. He saw this barrier between the brokenness, the, the broken people, and trying to get into a space where they can encounter the Lord. And he just he just snapped. And he 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 flipped it literally, the scripture says he threw flip tables ran the money changers. One of the accounts said he braided a, a whip out of rope and like, yeah, and like ran them out of town. Um, and this is a whole nother sermon, but I just have to say this. That's why Christ came to make a way for us to encounter the father. That's it. That's the whole point. That's why Jesus took on flesh and lived on this earth was so that there could be a way that you and I could encounter the Father. And we see that lived out in this moment where he literally removes barriers. And so once those guys are cleared out, the, the, the broken, the lame, the blind, the sick, all of them kind of slowly filter in. And Jesus just lays his hands on people and just one after one after one after one is healed. And there's, in, the, in the text, it says that the kids started rejoicing. It started singing, Hosanna, praise be to the king, to the son of David. It was party time. God was back. Jesus was, it was a party, right? And so Jesus kind of calls it a day after that. And so the next day, he goes back to the temple, right? And because of the scene that had been created, people were kind of coming back saying, like, what's next, you know? And, um, and there was a lot of people in Jerusalem as the Passover was coming. There was a big festival that was going to be happening that weekend. And it was a busy, busy place. So Jesus goes to the temple and like when he's a ladder. And Jesus, Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you that the tax gatherers and harlots will get into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to, came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax gatherers and the harlots... They believed him. And you, seeing this, did not even feel remorse afterwards so as to believe in him. Um, so, again, it's, it's important to remember who's here, like, and who's he speaking to and who's he speaking around, right? So he's in the temple, the one that he had just cleansed yesterday, and he's teaching this crowd of commoners when the chief priests interrupt him. So he's talking... Two, the chief priests are challenging him, so he's responding to their challenge, 
but he's so keenly aware of everybody else that's sitting there watching the interaction, right? So, um, okay, so a, re a quick recap of what we just looked at. So there's two sons, right? A father has two sons. And he asks the first one um, to go work in the vineyard. Oldest says, yes, sir, right away, sir. And I might, he, he might even like throw him a little salute or something. But he, he said exactly what his father wanted him to hear, you know? And, um, but he didn't go. He didn't go anywhere. He just laid on the couch. Uh, then the second son, the younger son, said, you know what, Dad? No, I don't want to go. Um, but then he regretted that. He changed his mind. He repented, and, and then he went, and he worked in the field. And then Jesus indicated, this is the guy. This is the one who pleased the Father. This is the one who did the will of the Father. So what, in what point was he really making in this, this, is, this little short parable, this little short story? Um, so with the first son, I think he's making the point that, um, so the first one was the one that said, yeah, Dad, sure, I'll do it. But they didn't, right? See, I think Jesus was kind of speaking on the, for the benefit of the crowd here because just yesterday, if you remember, Jesus had come in on a colt and they were all saying, yes, yes, Hosanna in the highest, glory to God. Like they were pumped. They were spending all day saying, yes, yes, yes. And Jesus said, okay, you have said yes with your lips. Now don't be like this guy. Don't be like the first son who says yes, but then doesn't go. So keep saying yes, right? He'd heard them say yes. And now he's like, okay, you said yes with your lips, and then later I'll give you a chance to say yes with your lives, right? And maybe to the religious leaders, maybe the point there was saying, hey guys, lip service isn't enough. It's not enough to just say the things that you think people want to hear. It's way, way deeper than that, right? And so maybe, so I think with the second son, the one who said, I won't go, and then regretted it and, and went out and worked, I think, I think what Jesus was trying to say is that the Father longs for us to just have a repentant heart and that he values genuine interaction. He values that relationship. He values raw emotion and a submitted heart. So let me say it again. The Father longs for you to have a repentant heart. He values genuine interaction, raw emotion, and a submitted heart. Now, um, I'll be honest with you guys. I needed this sermon maybe even more than you. And um, funny story, this is actually my second time recording it because the first time it just went and disappeared. So, um, <laughs> so I'm getting it an extra time. But, uh, but during this season of being isolated, I, I have very much been like the first son. Um, <clears throat> When I get asked to do things, I'm very quick to say, yeah, I can help, or yeah, I'll come do this, or yeah, I'll go do that. Um, but I have been very lacking on motivation, on follow-through. There are a lot of things I have said that I would do during this time that I haven't yet done. Um, and that's not okay. You know, I've, I have been very negligent in a, in a lot of ways, and um, and it's been really... It's just been really hard, you know. Ellie's had hard days. She loves you guys. She misses you guys. She wants to be in there playing with your kids and chasing you guys around the sanctuary, the, the auditorium after church. Like, we we miss you guys, and it's hard being away. 
Um, it's just been really hard. I'll be honest, I've been a lot like that first son. But the, in the story, the son who, who does the father's will, see, he doesn't fake it. I've been so busy faking. I've been so busy kind of saying like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, no, it's great being here, but, you know, whatever. Um, as a matter of fact, like he literally looked at his dad and said, I don't want to go. I will not go, is what it says in the, in the text. And you see, it's interesting because he was, he was the only honest one at first. The first son probably didn't really want to go, but he said he would to save face. And the second son was honest about how he felt. And you know, the, the reality is, is, is I don't think I give myself the freedom to be honest. I don't think I give myself the, the, the space to, to, to struggle and to wrestle and to just be genuine and, and to be authentic about how, how hard, uh, how difficult this season has been. Um, but the reality is, and I think what, what, this, what we see in this text is, is that it's good to be raw. It's good to be honest. And, um, and you know, and not only does Jesus give us this story um, at, to kind of depict that, to kind of show that, but he, um, he does that himself. You know, one of the reasons I love Love Jesus. He's so relatable, right? Like he's human. Literally, took like God with skin on, took flesh on, and um, because Jesus is the younger son in this story, and and if you, you know, if you fast forward through the through the Passion Week, you get to Thursday night, and um, just a couple days later, after this conversation that we're looking at, and he lives this story out. He goes to the garden of Gethsemane. He grabs a rock, falls on his face, and cries out and says, God, if there is any other way, take this cup from me. I don't want to do this. This is going to be hard. This is going to be miserable. This is going to hurt. I don't like this. And he finishes it with, but not my will but yours be done. But in the moment, Jesus was, was raw and emotional and literally was sweating drips of blood, right? Like, I think a lot of times I like try to over-spiritualize my emotions and I'm like, no, I, there's no room for doubt. There's no room for, for sadness. There's no room for sorrow. There's no room for, for, for restlessness. Like, there's no room for anxiousness or, ang or anguish there's there's no room for that because god wants me to be happy right like false like that is not true what you see with jesus is raw emotion is is genuine interaction with the father who wants to meet him on his worst day but jesus goes before the father and he just cries literally cries out and pours his whole heart out before the lord doesn't just stay there. He prays the bravest prayer in history where he says, but Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And then he gets up the next day and goes to the cross. So let's back up for a second, okay? He's there with the chief priests. He's in front of the crowd. And he's just told a story about authenticity 
in repentance. I imagine he looked around the crowd and he looked at their faces. He saw the brokenness that they carried, their desire to repent and to turn and follow him. And I guess in the faces of the chief priests, he didn't see brokenness. He saw anger, stubbornness, indignation, pride, uh, selfishness, all of those things. And that's why he finishes the text by looking at them and says, Truly I say to you, these guys, they get it. And they get me. And they will get me, they will get the kingdom, they will experience an encounter and enter the kingdom of God before you. Now, this story makes us take a hard look in the mirror, right? Like, and it forces us to ask the question, which attitude more characterizes our heart right now? Is it the humility and the brokenness and the teachability and the genuine repentance that was there in the crowd? Or is it the indignation, the frustration, the anger, the pride that existed in the religious leaders? Again, I'll be honest with y'all. In, in my attempt to kind of keep it all together and save face and, you know, look like I'm the man and I'm this strong person and I'm not weak and blah, blah, whatever, like, I've been quick to jump to conclusions. I've been, I have not been humble. I have not been who, who God really calls me to be. I've been selfish. I've been quick to anger. I've been quick to speak. Not good. Not, not good at all. Um, but praise God. Praise God, y'all. Praise God that his scripture serves as a mirror to show us, to show me, just how big of a jerk I've been. Praise God that Jesus knows exactly how it feels to be put in a situation that he didn't ask for. He knows what that's like. Praise God that my faith is built on the person of Jesus Christ. Praise God that my faith can be modeled after the humility, excuse me, with which he went to the cross. And praise God that my faith can be empowered by the same Holy Spirit that rose him from the dead. Praise God I can repent. Y'all, like, I told you this has been probably better for me than it is for you because this whole preparing for this has just chewed my heart up because I just realized I have not repented. I have not had a repentant heart in the season. I, I've been so stubborn. I've been so focused on myself and how it affects me and me and mine and I and I and I and I have not been repentant. But Lord, praise God that he lets me come to him. That he made a way for me to come to him so that I can repent, that I can be forgiven, that I can be made new and I can experience intimacy with the Father in the most isolating and the most challenging of times. Praise God, y'all. So where are you? How's your heart? Are you just giving lip service to your faith, saying things that you think Pastor Yami wants to hear? 
while your heart remains stubborn and hard? Or are you willing to let your guard down to admit what's really going on? What would Flood Church look like if we could be more authentic with one another? What if we as a body chose to really obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit? And when, when we feel the Holy Spirit, temp, not tempting, but prov, prov, provoking us to, to, to repent and to turn back to the Father, instead of pushing that off and just entertaining ourselves and distracting ourselves, what if we turned to the Father and said, yes, Lord, not my will, but yours be done? What if we did that? I think we would see a new day at Flood Church. I think our relationships would be deeper. I think genuine authenticity and genuine repentance brings intimacy in every area of your life. And if there's any relationship that you have that you've not been genuine and you have not been repentant, you will not have intimacy. You just, you cannot have intimacy without repentance. It's just the way it works. So church, in closing, let me say this. Might we be real? Might we be raw? Might we be repentant? And might we have the courage to bravely and obediently pray the prayer, not my will, but Lord, yours be done. And might we, be, might we bring everything before the Lord? And might we pour our heart out before him and say, God, I need you. I want you. I don't know how to do this, but not my will will but yours be done what if we did that y'all that is exactly how we find ourselves smack in the middle of god's will you want to know god's will for your life that you repent that you stay in step with him that you stay humble that you lean in that you stay close to people who love you and who love him that's how you find yourself in the middle of god's will we love you guys. Cannot wait to be back with you. Um, let me close our time in prayer here. Jesus, you made a way. You literally cleared a way for people and for us to know our Father. Thank you. Lord, when, when our lips say no, when our, when our genuine feeling is, is that of, of anxiety and depression and stress and anger might we be honest about that and might we come before you and offer it to you and offer you the prayer of lord not my will but yours be done jesus would you be near jesus would you be our our courage and our strength and our rock and our anchor and our everything in this season you are good you are god you are king to you be all glory and in your name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Cannot wait to be back with you. But until then, see ya.